Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. so beyond excited for this episode. (laughs) All right. So if you knew me personally, well, you're about to get to know me a little bit more personally. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I will admit, I have not gone as deep into the comics. So I don't, I don't want to hear none of that. Like, well, you're not a true fan if you blow up. No, I really love the cinematic universe been following it since day one when Iron Man dropped on the scene and man I feel like we could have an hours long conversation about the character development of every single character how the plots and everything go together um, the implications financially socioeconomically emotionally for all the events that have happened in Endgame and Infinity War all that jazz I'm in it to win it so I was thinking the other day how (laughs) the infinity stones kind of apply to our emotional landscape and our relationships. So we're going to compare the infinity stones to relationships right now. If you do not um, partake in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, MCU, um, you won't really need to for this episode because I'm going to explain it. So just roll with me. You ready? Okay, bet. So the abridged version is that, is that the right word to use there? There's this big purple guy, um, not Barney. It's Thanos. He's the big bad of Marvel's universe in this uh, chapter, I guess. And his whole thing for the past decade has been he's been existing out in the cosmos, manipulating different stuff to try to get and find the six infinity stones of the universe so that he could use it to balance out the universe. Um, eh, Personally, I think he had great intentions. Uh, (laughs) Just the wrong execution of it. But anyway, he's looking for the space stone, the reality stone, the power stone, soul, mind, and time. So these six crystals exist in the universe and just controls its essence, really, of everything. And so I was thinking that we in relationships can use these six elements or six stones in a way that's for good, for positive, or for the destruction. Now, Thanos literally grabbed these stones and chose to use it for destruction. He thought that by wiping out half of existence, everyone would be chill, blah, 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 like I said. Wrong intent, but I do think that we can be like that too. At the end of the day, in relationships, we are all trying to get to um, somewhat of the same goal. We're trying to feel secure in a relationship. We're trying to feel secure in our relationships. We're trying to feel 
um, wanted, cared for. It's, it's the same thing that I say at the end of each podcast episode, seen, known, and loved. That's all we all want at the end of the day, to be seen, to be known, to be loved. But we use sometimes great strategies to get there. And sometimes we misuse things to manipulate or um, control or just subconsciously try to get it from other people. It ends up causing the opposite effect. So let's go stone by stone. And I want you to think about which stones you use in your relationship, which one of the infinity stones, and if you use them for positive and constructive investment in your relationship, or if you're kind of using the stones on the destructive and um, hurtful side. And all this is is awareness. There's zero judgment here. Just be aware. And if you notice that you're using a stone improperly, just pivot. Readjust, make it happen, all right? Stone number one, the space stone. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Space Stone controls, like, I mean, quite literally, space, and so it allows for interdimensional travel, you know, be where you want when you want to be there. In relationships, the hurtful or destructive use of the Space Stone is when we do not give our partner space or we do not see it as a valid, necessary need for the flourishing of ourselves as people or in the relationship. So what I mean by that, this is probably going to lean in the anxious attachment side. That's where you just have the inability to let your partner breathe because you feel anxious. And so you kind of gobble up all their space until you can feel affirmed again. On the avoidant attachment side, it's when you are distancing yourself, withdrawing yourself with no... um, consistent investment in the relationship to provide like a secure base and so you're using too much space and that's also harmful for the relationship on the positive side of the space stone is when you can recognize what your partner's need is and give that to them so if you know that your partner needs a little bit of space to go hang out with their friends or space during an argument to calm down before they can talk to you, the beautiful way to use the space stone would be to be like, yeah, boo, you do you. We'll come back to this. Or I'll see you um, in three hours, have fun with your friends, whatever. It also applies to you, though. So for someone who has anxious attachment, meaning like you get really amped really quickly If you feel um, insecure, it's fine. It is what it is. People with anxious attachment have a higher sensitivity to the underlying relational fractures or movements and the dynamics. I think that can be a good thing. But again, I digress. Just know that that's your vibe and know that you probably should take a little bit of space for yourself to be able to help yourself get back to a more secure anchor. 
it's important to know that you need space too. In the same way with people with avoidant attachment, if you feel yourself withdrawing, pulling away, not um, fully investing in the relationship, then the way that you need to use the space stone is to close the gap, step closer, be intentional about closing some of that space that you're creating because that's what's needed for healthy relationship, connected relationship. Does that make sense? Okay, that's the space stone. Stone number two, the reality stone. This one is actually pretty interesting because the way it shows up in MCU, um, I don't think it directly translates to relationships. The reality stone changes the fabric of reality. So, you know, oh, is this a spoiler? Man, you should have seen it by now. So in Infinity War, when Quill is trying to help out Gamora because she's like, just do it. And Thanos got her by the neck. He's like, yeah, do it, bro. And so Quill is like, oh, I love you. And so he tries to shoot Gamora. Um, yeah, that has to be in context. You know what I'm talking about. But the uh, Thanos uses the reality stone to change Quill's gun laser thing to bubbles instead. So the fabric of reality. Um, obviously, we as humans cannot do that but I'm actually going to apply the reality stone to the past and to the more um do, 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 do. the our memories the way we remember and perceive things following with me so the destructive way to use the reality stone um this is going to be real deep but if you don't allow yourself to have honesty first with yourself and then with how you have treated or cared for your partner or your past partners, then you are distorting reality. And so you're going to bring into the relationship um, memories that are not accurate. Not that I super care about accuracy of details like, you know, 6.57 p.m. you did this. I, I could care less. What I'm talking about is your ownership of and your responsibility for the relationship, the ways that you um, contributed to an argument, the ways that you contributed to your partner feeling unsafe, all of that stuff is part of the, the shared memory reality of a relationship. So if you cannot be consistently honest and vulnerable and transparent, not only with yourself, but with your partner, with God, with your friends or community, then you're going to create a false reality that it's just, it's just not a good look. There's nothing good that comes from us living a life that is disconnected, which is what I would call that. And so my whole vibe here is intimacy. You know that. Fully seen, fully known, fully loved. If you are living in an existence that contradicts um, allowing yourself to be seen and known by safe people, of course, then 
your reality is distorted and everything else is going to be distorted as well. So the positive way to use that reality stone then is to let yourself be seen. Let yourself have honest talks or reflections with yourself. That can be um, journaling. That can be therapy. That can be meeting with a spiritual advisor or just having heart-to-heart talks. All of that continues to pull you back into reality and let you see the picture for all that it is. I think right now, um, especially when you look at social media or you look at people who have a history of toxic relationships and they're just kind of like, yeah, like he wasn't anything and like she was this or whatever. I, I have a hard time believing that you can have four or five relationships that had the same outcome and you don't think that you had a part of any of that. Yikes. Hear me though. When we're talking about abuse and trauma and things like that, that is never justified. There's nothing anyone can do to have earned another human being um, dehumanizing them. What I'm saying, though, is just recognize the reality of how your personal trauma, your personal wounds might be contributing to the way you choose partners the way you show up in relationships, um, X, Y, Z, if you can be honest about your reality and let yourself be vulnerable and see it, then you can start to change your reality um, and move it towards something that is healthier. Does that make sense? If it doesn't make sense, DM me on Instagram and we can chat about it. But that is the reality stone. Stone number three, the power stone. Hmm. This is a big one. So the power stone on a tangible level, using that inappropriately, of course, is where we, we get into things like physically acting out against your partner. And that physical acting out can be things like abuse. Do not, do not, do not violate someone else's body or space. You do not have the right. I do not care what your excuse is. That can also happen in covert or um, more subtle ways too, where people abuse the power stone. And that's where I'm thinking of like, um, if you make most of the money in the relationship and you use that or you hang that over your partner's head as like, you're upset with your partner. They ask you, well, can I have like $50 to go X, Y, Z? And you're like, no, simply because you have the power to do so. That's manipulative. That's misusing the power stone. If you create like physically with your behaviors and your body, if you create an unsafe or threatening environment for your partner, 
for example, let's talk about sex. If your partner says, um, no, I don't want to have sex tonight. And then you decide you're going to like fold your arms and scrunch up your face and like pout and, um, or the opposite, keep touching them, keep trying to pull, no, 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 come on, come on. Of course you do. Or like you feel them resisting you and you want to, if I just like make out with them enough and they'll want to have sex with me, that is all a version of misusing the power stone. It doesn't matter um, if you think that it's bad or not. It's a form of power. It's a form of manipulation. It's a form of using your higher ground, whether that be because of your strength or, um, you know, whatever, (laughs) and trying to make decisions for your partner based on that. The positive way to use the power stone, though, would be um, leveraging what you have and who you are as a form of protection for your partner. And so if you notice um, they're taking, they're being taken advantage of by someone else and you're able to step in or um, if you are the partner that earns more money and you do everything you can to serve your partner with respect and kindness and not seeing that as you having higher ground, then that's caring for them with the power stone. It can be you using the power that you have or your passion or your care for a certain subject and partnering together with your partner to like, you know, social justice type things. Like if you feel passionate about um, orphans and foster care, then a way to use the power stone would be like, we have the power to give resources to these people or we have the power to invite some people into our home that don't have a home and care for them. Like these are all leveraging... And I think a very familiar word with this can be privilege. Privilege is not bad. It's just simply having cards that you are dealt that give you an advantage in a certain area or make it so that you do not have difficulties in an area. So this this one is very intricate and, and complex. I'm aware of that. But I hope you can hear the overall thought and message behind it is if you have a form of power, whether that be physical or Um, intangible leverage it for good in collaboration with your partner but if you are using your power against them or using it to get what you want with no regard for your partner or you decide for your partner what's good for them that's not good don't do that So I mentioned that the, um, I, in my interpretation for relationships, the reality stone had to do with the shared memory of the relationship. I'm going to say for soul stone that it has to do with the present and what is the essence and soul of your partner and of yourself. One thing that happens in relationships as a whole is something called projection, where based on our life experiences, our needs, our wants, our desires, our dislikes, we tend to project on the other person who we want them to be or who we assume them to be. And so for the sake of this, let's just talk about the who we want them to be. Like you meet someone who's like 
hot and attractive to you emotionally, whatever, you're vibing, you have chemistry, we start to then construct an identity for that person about how we think they will or how we think they should care about us, show us that they like us, um, whether or not they're going to wash the dishes when we tell them to, everything, all of our expectations, we project onto them in the same way of like when we get into conflict, we'll, we'll come back with some, well, you're just, um, you're distancing yourself because you hate me or because you don't want to be with me anymore. And they're just like, what are you talking about? I, I just wanted to take a nap. <laughs> um, all of that's the stuff inside of us that we project onto them. So I would like to propose that the way to use the soul stone in a destructive way for your relationship is to project and assume expectations about who your partner is and not really listening to or observing who they actually are. Does that make sense? If you are allowing yourself to really root deep in the fantasy of your partner, you are setting yourself up for failure. This is why when couples get married um, or when they first move in together, but when they get married, give it, you know, two, three, four years and you now get to finally meet who your partner is. Congratulations. And trust me, I've thought about this much. I've gotten a chance to observe this a lot. There isn't really a way for you to get around the inevitable, um, oh shoot, I didn't realize this is all of who you were. (laughs) There's no cheat sheet. There's no easy way through it. We do the best we can with choosing a partner with character and values that we want to be with and marry. But as far as the full meeting of your partner, that comes years into the relationship or sometimes if you have um like really big life transitions or traumatic things happen it might happen a little earlier so the positive way to use the soul stone then would be as you are learning who your partner is consistently come back to and root yourself in a stance of curiosity and observation that's it. Curiosity and observation because your partner is not static, meaning that when you meet them, they do not get locked into that place of time and remain that person in that way for the rest of their lives. They are always changing minute to minute, day to day, year to year, season to season of life. Curiosity looks like asking them questions. Do not assume that you just know. Ask questions. And not just around conflict, ask questions about their being. What do you believe about God? Today, based on what you've experienced in the past year compared to who you were before. Or, um, I don't know, what do you think about what you most want for your life and your goals? These are ways to be curious and let them fill in the blanks. Or, am I loving you well? Do you feel loved by me? Let them fill in the blanks. And then observation doesn't look like, I'm just going to watch and see if you do what I want you to do. (laughs) Observation is more of just taking in what is. Okay, so 
you didn't call me when I hoped you would. Or you don't want sex as much as I thought that you would. Or you want sex a lot more than I thought you would. Or your need for space and time away from me is more than I thought. Okay. I'm just looking at it. No interpretation of it. No trying to project who I want you to be or why I think you're wrong. Just, oh, this is who you are. And I think a way that you can practice this in a more tangible way outside of the abstract of relationship is even just observing their physical presence, like literally what they look like, or if that's weird to just stare at someone, I don't know, you do you. You can look at yourself, but looking at your partner's body and saying, this is what your hair looks like. Oh, look at that. You have a gray hair there. I couldn't have anticipated there would be a gray hair there, but there is. I see it. I acknowledge it. Look, you have a scar on the other side of your wrist or, huh, I didn't realize that your thighs shake that way or that your belly feels this way. It just keeps you in a state of curiosity and observation and openness versus projecting all of your stuff, all your thoughts onto them like you are the God of the universe and God of them. Stone. Mind stone. Okay, this one is pretty straightforward to me anyway. So a destructive way to use the mind stone is mental manipulation against your partner. Um, if they say, I'm feeling X, Y, Z, and you're like, no, you're not. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. Um, but on an internal sense, a destructive way of using the mind stone is really letting yourself give root to cognitive distortions. Have you heard that word before? If you're in therapy, you've heard that before. But if not, let me learn you something. So you can Google this on your own time, but cognitive distortions are negative and um, there's, there's patterns of thinking that are not based in truth. So some examples of them are like black and white thinking, overgeneralizing, catastrophizing, um, which is, you know, going to the worst possible scenario that's going to happen. Personalizing, which is, you know, if someone looks over in my direction and then rolls their eyes and looks back, then of course it has to do with me. Um, discounting the positive. Emotional reasoning is, I feel this way, therefore it must be true. Stuff like that. All of that and please Google this, look more into it and see which ones you use because I promise you, you are using one and or multiple of them. But the mind stone then, a destructive way is to let yourself get away with just feeding off of those cognitive distortions and building your life around them. So please, that's your homework. Go look it up because that 
that's um, stuff that runs in the background and you might not even notice it's how you see the world, which is why a therapist is a great option, but you do need to change it. Positive way facing the mind stone would be being aware of your thoughts and your beliefs, not letting the negative things interrupt your life, and also not manipulating your partner. I hate to say it like that because that sounds so obvious. Don't manipulate your I'm going to say it. Yeah, that's the mind stone. So the time stone, time, um, hmm. a destructive way to use time in your relationship would be in conflict to not allow your partner enough time to, ooh, 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 actually, I'm going to switch this one up. It's the concept of hurry versus patience. So hurry and rush is destructive to relationships. I can't think of anything really other than running for your life (laughs) where you would need to be in a hurry. And I use that as a funny example, but it's actually what's happening. Usually when we're rushed and we're hurried, it's because some part of our internal system feels a sense of threat or fear where it's like, if I don't do XYZ right now, it's life or death. Like I have to do it now. And if that's you, I think it's episode four where I talked about urgency and like feeling like rushed about things. So definitely go back and listen to that. But intimacy and hurry are not really compatible. They don't, they don't play well together. They're a little bit oil and water. Whereas the ability to have patience, self-control, self-soothing, and staying in the present moment, that is a really great way to use the time stone. So if you're dating and you're just starting a relationship and you're in those early stages, it's going to feel like, well, if you're anxious attachment, it's going to feel like, I need to lock this down right now or else I know. I really get it. I understand. And if you would like intimacy Instead of infatuation, if you want a well-rooted relationship instead of something that can blow over at the quickest sign of distress, then we got to think about whatever image helps you, whether it's a tree or a candle, that slow burn, that, that really patient layering of brick by brick for the relationship. And so I kind of talked about the destructive and the helpful parts of that time stone at the same time, (laughs) at the same time. Anyway, yeah, patience. Intimacy requires patience and time. So yes, you just got a whole episode on infinity stones and your relationship. How does it feel? Um, But real talk, I hope that it gave you some kind of a frame of mind or some kind of a metaphor image scenario 
just to help you understand that there's different elements of relationships and we can use the same element for the benefit or the detriment of what we're trying to build with our partner. If you appreciate this podcast, if it is doing anything for sparking conversation or thoughts or health and goodness for yourself and your relationship, my love language is podcast reviews. <laughs> I would very much appreciate it. Um, it allows me to keep doing this for you, but it also allows me to be able to share this kind of message with more people that I just can't reach on my own. I need you to help spread that. So please leave a review on um, Apple Podcasts. You just go into your app and then on the homepage, I guess, for this podcast, there should be something that says leave a review. And um, yeah. I would love it. Please remember that as you are growing and meeting people or building with your partner, you are in each part of your being fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. Thank you. We'll talk soon.